I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we're talking, oh, we're talking about a lot of things tonight, but we'll start off with the men's game versus Adelaide uh, Friday night. I don't know what was happening here, lads. Um, I, I, I genuinely don't know where to start. Uh, start at the beginning, mate. Well, no, let's run the score. 5-1. Um, that was the score. Sounded like um, a new candidate for um, worst game of all time should that show be still running. Um, but it did not feel like it overall. We've, we've taken we've taken some batterings in Adelaide before. I remember at least a 6-1 over there. I remember, I think, a 4-0 where we missed a penalty as well. I mean, they just seemed like they took every chance and we mostly blew ours, really. I mean... You have summed it up. Perfectly. You've like literally hit the nail on the head, mate. It's like they feel they feel like they had about seven shots and scored five of them, and we had nineteen and got one. It's, it, you couldn't have summed it up better. Yeah, let me take you through the stats because this is if you hadn't seen the game or seen the score, you would have been quite surprised. Fifty six percent possession, uh, three point seven two uh, as an xG versus two point six seven. Uh, 19 shots versus 14, four big chances versus five, um, 91% accurate passing, uh, half the number of fouls committed, nine corners to three, 19 shots to 14, uh, six shots on target to eight. That was probably the only stat that we didn't absolutely dominate on. But yet, on the field, I would have been... Very surprised if you had gone, this is not going to end badly for us after the first few minutes. Well, but, I, just, I just agree, man. We well think we started really, really well. Like if you think about that uh, that um, that Jan Sass opportunity at the second minute, that was the culmination of like 80 seconds of consistent possession and excellent recycling and very, very good transition play, which ended with him having a gap between two guys he could exploit, go through and have take, take a shot. It was really lovely football to watch and that felt like bar the two opportunities that fell to Adelaide which they scored that half felt like a lot of that well let's um we should talk about uh these the changes in um personnel because I think this is going to come into it uh Costa came in for Oscar Zabata who was on baby watch uh and Sutton and Lewis returned to the bench nicely um Clayton back uh, and Sutz, obviously, he's been there or thereabouts anyway. Um, yeah, the, the the second minute aside, the fact that we didn't make the most of those opportunities, and then I'm going to, we'll just go straight into that that first oh, horrendous moment. Uh, Wooten, uh, get very well positioned for a cross that comes in, chests it down to Ollie Sale, who lets it roll through his hands and into the goal. And it gets chalked against uh, against um, Scott Wooten. This is possibly one of the harshest own goals I have ever seen. 
<laughs> it reminds me a little bit of when Gary Neville got done a, uh, for an own goal when the ball bounced over the keeper's foot when he was taken and had an air swing at it. So, you know, it's it's, it's harsh on a defender, but it certainly should have been uh, should have been cleaned up by Ollie. So. I think Stuff's match report said that Wooten had chested it back to Ollie Sale, but I, f- I feel that's very... Um... It's a very positive reading of the situation. I think it's it's hit him, happens to have hit him in the chest, uh, and it's yeah. I think I think uh, yeah, because I think there's a good win or someone up front goes up for a header, misses it, and, and I don't think um, Wooten's very prepared for that situation, and and yeah, I think he should be, uh, and it kind of just hit him, and um, obviously Sal's just completely fluffed it. I mean, he should easily have claimed that. Like it didn't go at a particular. Didn't go at a particularly you know fast pace or anything like that. Just I watched this in the cold light of day, um, and I was having heard all this. So it was kind of like I was expecting him to turn it into his own net. I thought he he was looking to play for it. Yeah, he saw it late and didn't really have much of a choice. But he he knocked it dead. He didn't absolutely welly it off the shoulder or off the chest or anything. I uh, I re- I, re- I rewatched it at less than um, half an hour ago, and uh, I will tell you that it, I do not think he did that on purpose. I still think it's harsh that it goes down as his own goal because I still think it's an error by Ollie. And yes, Scott should have done; he should have been more aware. He's got to play for that. But no, I I think yeah, that's a, it's a generous read suggesting that he did that deliberately. Okay, well, I mean, I think we can agree to disagree about, uh, about the intent behind from uh, Scott Wooten, but certainly Ollie, this is a this is a bad mistake, and it. I don't know about you guys, but it felt like this was possibly going to be one of those days. If you know, uh, like Dale was alluded to, the uh, um, history at Adelaide, and then conceding that kind of goal, it doesn't feel good, does it? No. And we looked at, yeah, I thought we looked all right at that, like better than the last few games, knocked it around, you know, looked a little bit dangerous. And then that go, that turns around as their first sort of, not even their cha- first chance, just first venture off field. And, the box. And, and, and boom, and you're, you're down one already. They showed the stats um, not long after this, and we'd had seven touches in the opposition's box. That had none, and they were leading 1 0. Mm. Commenta- the commentator said as much, and it's kind of like, wow. Um, I guess we've got to keep going into this this melee that is um, that first half. So the uh, 22nd minute rolls around. Uh, unfortunately, another goal, another mix-up in the box. I, I, I can only call this a melee. Uh, I think, Dale, you've called it a goal-mouth scramble. After, I mean, let's be honest, a, a dangerous free kick, and that's what Adelaide are known for. Goodwin's deliveries are fan frickin' tastic, um, but lines were not cleared, were they? Well, I think it was another one where I think Ollie um, it did not do particularly well on this. I think, you know, I think there was a is it from like there's a the ball kind of bounces around and a guy jumps up from a standing start and hears it, and he kind of just flaps a hand at it and the problem with what he's done if you if you slow it down is. It's all happened within the six yard box, but Ollie takes like a step forward, and then the then the header comes in. Whereas there's sort of no need to sort of close it down. Like it's a standing sort of start header. You don't get much power from that. So he's gone forward, and it's kind of looped more f- 
sort of over him and he hasn't been able to palm it away. Whereas if he's kind of where he should be, I think it's much more of an easy grab and, you know, he fluff, he sort of pats it and then it falls to someone else and they, and they bundle over. So um, maybe in a one where if we had Zawada back there, he may have got a bit of a head on it. Uh, but yeah, definitely a, a very dangerous, I think, corner, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I think there's a couple of issues with that one. A couple of issues. The first, the first being, uh, I think Ollie's looked to come and claim that step forward. I think his initial thought was, I'll come and claim and deal or deal or punch or whatever to deal with it before it lands on the head, then stops because he realizes he's not going to get there, which puts him out of position, which leads to that, that palm um, being weak. But that, um, that FedEx like delivery from Goodwin was, no, not fucking FedEx. <laughs> was was excellent and but defensively we were poor like the, the there was there was basically no challenge on that head and there should be at least one phoenix head or body getting up there to be challenging even if you're not going to win it you anything like that could put the guy off you, you should be up there challenging for that and we'll see more of that later on with uh with another goal um so but there was before I lay all the blame on Ollie, I've got to say defensively we were poor. Uh, we didn't we didn't mark up or we didn't zone properly because no one was playing that position. No one was playing for that cross to defend that, and that that was poor. Yeah, regardless of whether it's a zone or a man marking, there should never be a free head. There should never be an uncontested head in the box, especially not that close in the box. Um. Yeah, it was not feeling too good. I, I I thought when we had the ball, we looked decent. It's just when we didn't have the ball, it just I, oh, quite skittish. It's what LA does best. They a transition team, you know. They're they try win the ball, fit it, yeah, in a, in a decent position and transition and attack on the counter. And they've got the players to do it. They know exactly how they do it. And and some of the goals, I think maybe Goodwin's goal later on is exactly that. That what they do is. They're happy to mm. kind of give up a little bit of position, not park the bus or anything like that, but they kind of they know how to pick their moments. And when they do, they've got good attacking patterns to draw out defenders, create space in good positions and, and play it into those into those into the spots and, and that's how that's how they play it. And we at times were not good enough to retain possession and when we did, um, we got pulled in different directions and, and didn't cover those cover those breaks where we needed to. I think I agree with you, and I think we'll come on to this with the later goals, and the, I think Aaron Kunda had a chance created late in the game exactly the same way as that, where they quickly turned over position, possession and caught at least a fullback out of position and transitioned quickly into that space to get a ball across. And yes, a Goodwin's goal was exactly like that, and there's a couple of other chances that fell that way which caused from that style of football good on them they know how they play they know how they want to play and they're implementing it exactly like their manager wants them to well to be fair i mean that a lot of that latter part of the first half we were doing likewise we were we were progressing the ball through that midfield we were getting into decent positions um there was a and certainly that the exploit out wide as well with the delivery um i think there was a um bodajar uh opportunity was that the back post off the left-hand cross and he just couldn't get his foot around it? Yeah, I think so. It's been so long, I've, I've almost forgotten yeah, yeah. the chances Yeah, I'm now, struggling but... to remember, but from what I remember, it was basically, it was delivered 
to the back post and he got that run in but just couldn't wrap his foot around and end up kicking it not quite near enough to the that far post. Um, so there were, there were opportunities coming. Um, not long after that, there was um, Sass having a shot after a drive-through by Rufa. Um, I actually want to call out Rufa because I thought he's been really, really good since we lost Clayton. He's kind of picked up that slack. I've always kind of pegged him as a defensive midfielder or a dower kind of player, but he's showing a bit more on the ball. His ability to retain possession, one, and get some passes. And now he's kind of, he's running a bit more as well when he has the opportunity, which I'm liking that that different side to his game. I, I think since, probably since Perth, uh, since the Perth game, he started to get back to the form he had before his injury at the end uh, last season, before he did his knee. Um, and it's he 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 again. I don't know. I don't know how we've lost this game five one. I actually think he his screen work, his defensive work was just as good as his ball, his transition play, and his support play. I think through the midfield, we were actually the better side for really large stretches of that game, which again comes down to Rufa and Yugakovic. I think it's actually a real shame we're going to lose Yugakovic and uh, Clayton Lewis, because with one of those guys with Rufa next season, I think that build, that extra uh, period of time they've had together would have made a massive difference in the midfield for us. But Rufa has been excellent. He was an absolute standout for us against uh, against Adelaide, even in that 5-1 loss. I, I thought, I, I mean, it looked a lot like uh, Crive was trying to take a little more leadership as well with uh, Zawada not there. There was obviously a bit more space uh, at the pointy end with Costa, obviously not being that physical presence. Um, it just didn't seem to quite come off. And certainly I'd, I thought that up until late, Costa, while he got on the ball occasionally, there wasn't really any degree of danger for Adelaide when he did. Is that a fair recollection? Yeah, I mean, I think the, ch- the chances we had in that first half of that, Crive had a couple, didn't he? And Sass had, had one. Now, all within that kind of three or four minute window where we, we started to sort of ratchet up the pressure. And you know you're never going to you know completely dominate a game, but when you've got these periods of of you know on top, you, that's where you need to take your chance. And, and we didn't really take those chances. Um, and and it wasn't really until that before that halftime that Costa, you know, created something out of nothing, but then absolutely blew it. <laughs> well, we we we're getting right onto that. That's a describe it, Dale, because I I don't know if I have words for this. Oh, I'm not sure we've seen it, but. Oh, I yeah, I mean, Costa closed down Gauchi, who's on the dead ball board. Sort of, I'm going to say, badges him out of the way, really. With shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder. I, I genuinely think that was shoulder to shoulder. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to I'll come back to that point in a second. But even the ball kind of comes along the, the byline, uh, a defender comes across, who, who, to be fair, does quite well at getting there and closing the angle. So he has a very small window of opportunity to 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 fire it and it tries to go the outside of his boot and hits the post. Um I think there's there's two real sort of points of attention here. I think even if he scores, I reckon this is getting called back by VAR for a foul. Um, I think he's gone through the back of it more than th- from the side. But the easiest play was just a just square it to I think Crive. Crive Crive who's yeah. just in the middle of the box. 
screaming yeah, for it. Just just a small tap, easy done. Going to halftime at two one. Oh, like and it changes would change the the complexion of the game, you know. There is that uh, left hand goalpost uh, in Adelaide. I guarantee has a dent in it from um, uh, Cryev's hand because he slapped the bejesus out of it when Costa didn't pass it to him. I think the problem here is is the form Costa's in because an informed Costa one scores that or two takes the right decision and gets to Cryev and Cryev scores it. Either way, informed Costa that ends up in a goal. Costa at the moment I think is just so out of form and lacking in confidence that he needed the goal more than I think he needed the assist and he really needed that to fall <laughs> needed that to fall in. We needed that to fall in. He needed that to fall in. But because he's just he's he's so lacking it's it just didn't happen. And this isn't gonna help. This is gonna this is gonna actually probably gonna do him a world of disservice because of it because it didn't go in. He's done everything right up to that final decision. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I've got to admit, I've not been much of a fan of Costa playing for the Knicks, but it does feel like it. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that there's something else there, like that he feels the pressure more playing for his hometown or something, because the Costa we've seen at Melbourne, at Sydney, you know, at Brisbane, he was great, and it's. I don't think it's age. I don't think because Costa's come back twice in between all those times. He just doesn't seem to be able to find that here. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I, I wonder if it's another one of these you know consistent minutes. You know, those all those instances he was yeah a ninety minute player playing every game basically, whereas here you know he's come in as as clearly the first you know first choice off the bench really. Um, and so he's only getting you know, a bit of part time, and, and you know maybe that's affected his confidence or or, or what. But um, you know maybe we'd see you know if there was a prolonged injury to you know Ball or Zawada, maybe he'd get a bit more form from playing more minutes. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. I mean, it's the same point we made with Zawada, obviously, uh, in the previous weeks where he's he's benefited significantly from the amount of time he's been on the pitch. And um, I think the problem is Costa. He is like one of the older statesmen in the team now, right? He has been he's been around for a long time. He's been playing professional football for about fifteen years, I think. So it's not like he's a spring chicken. And when you get older, you've got to expect that you're going to be coming off the bench to play, and your impact therefore needs to be the right decision each time. So in this situation, the right decision is pass, get the assist, and that's just as good in this situation as scoring that goal. Um, there was another opportunity after this. Um, Jan Sars who I don't want to say had one of his better games because I, I don't think that he did, but he didn't. Like I, the, the games that we've seen him play in the past, I've seen him hit absolute highs or absolute lows. And this seemed to be a one where he did, he did okay, created opportunities, just couldn't finish them off. And this is another one where you'd hope where he um, there's a bit of a breakthrough in the middle, and but he shoots straight at Gauchi, just doesn't make the most of that opportunity. At that stage, by the time we got to that, it was just before half time. I think by the time that we probably had the, we were turning down and probably had the three best chances of the game, I think. Adelaide hadn't even had a corner at that stage. We'd literally had all the ball, all the territory, and all the opportunities, and we were still 2 0 down, having missed an open goal. I guess we just, let's, let's just go through that second half and just we can pick over the, the 
everything else. Pick over the brutality? Yeah. Well, we can pick over the high-level stuff after that. Um, There was some opportunity. There was an early opportunity for uh, Cryev, another cross-in from the right-hand side. Um, But this time, uh, another goal from set-piece for um, Adelaide. Um, I've got to say, if we're seeing two examples of good set-piece delivery um, at at this season, it's got to be um uh from adelaide and it's got to be from uh uh robertson uh not robertson foster sorry it's a good one and foster it just shows you how dangerous someone that can actually wrap their foot around the ball well can do well, it look he scored that free kick here against us right which is actually mm. bloody bloody screamer goal absolute screamer goal and obviously delivered this ball and uh, again as a free head. Uh, we've got an issue there with the marking at, at set piece um, or whatever we're doing there. It, it's not right. It didn't work. And he's got a free head and slotted at home. It's just, yeah, it's just really, really poor. And when you've got someone with the delivery skills that Goodwin has, it's, um, it's, it's quite disappointing to see the amount of time and space that the Adelaide players had in the box there. Yeah, I mean, we were playing zonally. I think it was um, Jugakovic who misread the, the flight. And obviously, I think when you've got Goodwin who can whip, whip balls, you, your ability to adjust to the flight once you've kind of seen it coming in is, is a bit harder. But yeah, I think Jugakovic just kind of went a bit early um, and it went over him and then the ginormous centre-back bar, bar, lucky bar, maybe, had a, basically a free head as I think Kellen Elliott tried to move into that space that was it was a mismatch there wasn't it he just went straight over the top of Elliot Elliot tried to get up but no yeah I I have real problems with what we were doing on that set piece it just we weren't getting bodies into the right position and when we did it was the wrong person I mean we do have Tim you know we do have Timber at the back we do have reasonably tall lineup um you would have thought that Wooten would be jumping all over someone in that middle of the box if we're playing um, a zone defence. I certainly would have thought so. I'm not an expert on zone defence, by the way. I mean, have you play, Have you come across it in any kind of form, Dale? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's all about kind of attacking the, the area in front of you, right? Everyone's got to kind of, you, know, you can't be running back to try hit a ball because, you know, you're never going to get the same same height. So I think you can't come and that area is kind of like your prime spot for a corner that you'd be putting your your tall timber in. Wow, who's our tall timber other than Zavada though? Uh, Wooten, Crave. Crave. Both of them are very big. Um, but no, I mean statistically, you score most goals from corners with a in swinging ball to the near post. So you'd kind of want at least one of your tall people to be around that uh, six yard line uh, near the front post. Um, and the second one is the one that they've scored back from post. their back post. Yeah, back in, in the swinging ball. So that's that's the second opportunity. So oh, if I was going setting up a zone, I'd be having someone tall about the six-yard box near the front post and then another one about where they scored that goal. For, for such a known um, skill set that Adelaide have, that delivery of good ones, you would think that it would be, that the message would be, okay, man-to-man on corners, just stick tight. And don't give away a foul in front of the box. Um, 
if you've been training zonal all season and doing zonal all season, you're going to keep doing what you. Oh doing. yeah, yeah. But at least, at least it's got to be you've you've got to be well aware of the the where your man where any man is coming into that zone, right? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. No argument there. But I I wouldn't be changing it to man marking in that situation if that's not what you're used to or not what you're trained for. So this is just one of those things where we've gone. You know, there should have been someone up in there. There wasn't someone up in there, and they've got a free head and scored. And we know we can see what the issue is there. Uh, we know that that's a weapon of of theirs, and obviously it's worked for them in this situation. So disappointing, absolutely, it's disappointing. But we need to wear it and move on. Well, we'll move on uh, to a a bit of a moment of controversy, according to the um, commentators. Uh, Jan Sass has gone into the Adelaide box and Isaias has, um, we will say, brought him down and has been a judge to have brought him down. Um, what do we feel about this, this foul in the box? I think he's looked for it, but there is contact, enough co- and, and therefore uh, it's never getting overturned on VAR once it's been, once it's been awarded. A bit like um, the one that Sydney had, or the shouts that Sydney had, where kind of a, a foot across and Sass yeah, and Sass has taken the, the hit and um, Lolly didn't, and I think that's probably yeah, somewhat the difference between the, the two. Hundred percent. If 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 Payne's contact, if there's pain and if Payne's got contact in that, that's pain like we talked about. But Sass has got contact, and so he's gone down and yeah, played for one. Good on him. Okay, that, I'm glad that you guys are seeing it that way because that's why I thought I was just listening to the commentators going, oh, I'm seeing something completely different here. Um, yeah, he's definitely started on his way down and I have certainly seen them not give in for that. But I guess once the ref says yes, VAR can't overturn it. The interesting thing is uh, with no Zawada to take the pen, who steps up but um, Captain Courageous, uh, Alex Rufa. Uh, how were we feeling when we saw... Um, Alex picked that ball up and he'd uh, stride towards the spot. Dale's got a smirk on his face. I mean, at that point I thought, God, how how the game's gone so far, we definitely have got to miss this. And I, then at that stage I was going to say, oh, we've probably had the four best chances and we're still 3-0 behind. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep, because if we were, <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, if you saw um, straight after it was awarded, they, they panned to a widescreen and you can see Rufa running towards the ball to pick it up and he was he, there was, he was no kind of, yeah. there was no you know I mean Irene there was no just it was he was taking it so I like it I liked it I like that he did that as a captain and he he took the pressure off obviously Costa's feeling the pressure and Crive's not been uh having the best run in front of goal recently it's like you know what I'll take the onus on myself and lead from the front and good on him yeah I think that's uh that's really good captaincy Yep, I would agree about the captaincy. I, I've seen him try and argue the point uh, in previous seasons about, yeah, yeah, let me have a go when he when he hasn't broken his duck yet. Um, but I, I think it's a very bold call. But yeah, I, if you know that someone is as out of form as Costa, right, and the and Ball doesn't take set piece by it seems at all because he's had opportunities and. I don't know whether Crive was putting his hand up or not, but, you know, he slotted it, sent um, uh, Gauchi the wrong way, a nice tidy penalty. I know it's a different level, but he has played a lot of football in forward areas, Rufa has. Yeah, um, definitely. Obviously, it, he, he's only shifted further back since 
probably 2015, 2016, somewhere Which around Which was a long there. time ago, Cam. Exactly, because if you, it was, it was. But up to that point, if we call, recall the under-20s World Cup, he was playing in the front line. So he's used to he is used to actually being up there at some point so i'm i'm comfortable that he's got the confidence to be able to slot those and yeah i don't whilst it would be an unexpected choice i don't think like i believe he has the skill to be able to do it so yeah fair uh so that is the second goal in i believe his 114th game um, they're coming thick and fast now. So <laughs> I, I think that even when Oscar Zavada's back, uh, he may struggle to get the ball out of Alex's hands. Um, yeah, Oscar's I, already I, got that golden boot sewn up, so Oscar, uh, Alex can take them and uh, hope for the best. Oh, I'm really hoping he doesn't. I think exit with exit with one beautifully taken one and just say, yeah, I could be doing that all day. Just never be proven otherwise. How do, how do we like his celebration, by the way? The, Didn't the, he just the, run? No, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the yeah, that, that's that's an back. interesting that's an interesting idea. Yeah, when you're three one down, I'm not sure I'd be brave enough to pull it. Yeah, I, I thought that was a bold manoeuvre playing away in Adelaide. <laughs> um, where did we go from here? Uh, yeah, Maragas. You, you've made mention of lucky to not get a second yellow. Really, really stupid first yellow. And then his brain hasn't seemed to quite be there the last few games. He's uh, Him and Elliot have been picking up some yellows, and I thought they've been kind of a bit lucky. with. They've been playing to the refs, um, I think, not wanting to give a second yellow, shall I say that? Oh, very lucky. Very, very lucky. I, I, mean, I know refs talk about, you know, the kind of threshold for a second yellow being higher than the first yellow, but... You know, this was this was around halfway, deliberately dragging a player back on the break. Like, yeah, I, like this seemed a nailed on yellow to me, regardless of whether it was first or second. I, I I'm very surprised you didn't get it. Um, I think that there's an implicit um uh modifier on this, and it's that um we're getting smashed, and the refs like it isn't making a difference. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. If if we were ahead. I don't think the ref even contemplates not giving a yellow for this. Yeah. I mean, we've seen second yellows for much less than this this season. Cry is one, obviously, springs to mind. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not surprised he got subbed a couple of minutes later because I think just about any any foul he gave away after that was, was definitely going to be a, yeah. A, second, yeah. a second one. He couldn't afford to make, a, make even a slightly... Interesting tackle. Uh, in between that substitute was unfortunately another goal. Um, I can't even remember it. They came so thick and fast. You, Dale, you've written down here, cut back from the left and a tap in, and it's still escaping me now. Yeah, it was it was a transition. Uh, I think we turned over the ball and uh, it was a bit of a break, and they they came down the left. I'm not sure. It might have been Goodwin or something. Goodwin, it was cut, Goodwin. Cut, cut it, cut it back to sort of the penalty spot, and we didn't kind of peel off with it with them and slot it home. This was this was an infuriating goal. Was this that the one, one where Cryev was actually tracking back? I think it was well, Payne, I think. Elliot was um caught up field. Yeah. So or whoever the right back was at that point was caught up field because we lost the ball in transition with you know trying to Everyone push up. forward to get exactly so and then Goodwin has piles and piles of space. So by the time we get out of position 
get another fullback, uh, sorry, centre back out of position to come over and try and close down Goodwin, and then you've got another player coming in at the back post. You know, there's one guy, a couple of runners coming through, and you know, it was, it was just it's just infuriating the timing of the goal coming like within well not that long since we'd scored the penalty and tried to actually get back in the game and the way the game had been going at this point where we're we're actually we're not playing horrendously badly to to concede this type of goal was just yeah frustrating really, it grinds my gears this one eh? it really does because it's it's such a simple simple simply worked maneuver from Adelaide you know man in space run down wing cross it to be tapped in at the far post it's it feels like we should be stopping that every day of the week and there were opportunities one to not turn the ball over and have that happen to us in the first place but to stop the cross coming in and marking up the players and none of that happened we should roll on something I actually want to talk about is the um, subs that came on Uh, so Sutz and uh, Clayton Lewis uh, making his return, uh, bringing off Moragas and Costa. The Moragas for Sutz, I think, is fairly obvious. But I want to talk about the the sub where they're dragging Lewis and bringing, uh, sorry, dragging Costa and bringing Lewis on. Because at the time I was going, hang on, there should be another sub here. There should be um, Van Hattam, I assume, coming on and someone else coming off, because that's really imbalanced. And it just at the time screamed to me that people were starting to panic and not quite get around what they needed to do from the bench. Because I saw as Clayton Lewis is coming on and Costa's coming off, Rufa was kind of swinging his arms around going, trying to tell people to reorganise. And I don't think even he knew quite what they were trying to set up with with that sub. Did you guys see any of that? I mean, to be fair... I think once it got to to four one, I think my my focus started to wane. Uh, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah. Um, fair, fair enough, buddy. It, you don't have to justify it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Four one down away at Adelaide, and it's what it's pushing after eleven o'clock at night. Like you can understand yeah. your focus and uh, and and how the team's forming up is is going to be uh, tested. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that is fair. I was watching it the next day, so. Um, uh, yeah, I I just thought that this screamed. We were trying to scramble. Uh, we just were starting to panic a little bit. Obviously, the next sub that came four or five minutes afterwards, bringing Van Hattam on uh, for Roofer off, may, you know, restored that standard four two two two. But it did feel a, a really weird four minutes where we were all of a sudden not even trying to play the right formation. We just had 11 guys on and it's just kind of like, just make do. Yeah, it could have been a decision to try and shore up that transitional play because of what had happened in the goal. Um, taking off uh, a Tyron Costa who isn't playing 90 every week and, you know, shoring up your midfield yep. is, is not a, not a poor decision and it's not a bad decision to make. So I'm not necessarily going to say we're going to be panicking. It may also have been that we're going, you know, we, we, we shore up this for five minutes and and stop that transitional play that Adelaide is so good at just to get our feet back in the game. And then we bring on OVH and have a go at um, trying to chase it again. Yeah, see, for me, it's like if you want to if you want to bring fresh legs on in that midfield, you do that. But 
the fact that they weren't it wasn't like this was a new form this was a different formation that everyone knew about this was them all trying to scramble so that's what worried me um we'll we'll move on obviously yeah you guys didn't see what i did um adelaide brought on uh aaron kunda who is as is typical of anyone that's quick and young and physical the commentators absolutely gush over him um I've not seen anything from him apart from that he's a really good athlete. But his decision-making is pretty much what you'd expect from a young fella, right? Yeah, he was a 17, 18, something like that, a bit young. And he scored. He has scored some goals, and they've been nice goals. Oh, I mean, I mean, let's just, hang on, let's just back it up. I mean, he scored like six goals already. Hmm. Uh, and, and look, we brought on Oscar Van Haddam, who, to be fair, I have not seen him do anything of note in, at all this season and they've brought on him like which would you rather have oh no no question and once but... once what four years younger three years younger like yeah i I, know, I, don't, I don't think we want to judge judge the quality of of young players coming off the bench my my, my thinking more was that they were talking him up as is kind of you know he's the next prospect that's going overseas and i was looking at there was a couple of opportunities there where he had beaten the first player and even beaten the second player and he had produced mountains of space, drawn the defence, and all he had to do was pass. And he didn't even think about it. I think you just need to think about what you've said there, Frosty. It's that you've, you've actually shown exactly why he would be the next one to go overseas. Because he is capable of beating two players and creating that space. The decision-making where he's crossing instead of shooting to that man, that comes and that can be trained. That and it can be taught, but right yeah. now, right now, he is definitely an exciting young footballer. Um, yes, no question. But yeah. I, I take issue with the the building him up as the is the next great one, unless it's the next unless it's the next great one in two years' time. I don't I don't like the fact that they're doing that because I think it puts unnecessary pressure on a young guy who's just breaking through and doing well. No argument, doing well, showing he's got fam- yep. he's got a skill and ability. I, ju- I don't think they should be building him up because of that, but he is a good young player and he's doing really well. And he's scored some ridiculous goals this season. He has. And he was unlucky yeah. not to score the one where he's gone round uh, Ollie. In this game, he's, he's had a one-on-one. He's gone in only, and he's managed to put it wide. You know, um, and he, unlucky, unlucky not to get that one. He's just, but good on him. He's, he's 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 showing what a great little player he is. I think Adelaide's got a really really good one there. Uh, Dave's timed it rather nicely to come in right at the end of this, so he can avoid the pain that is uh, worst game of all time candidate, uh, or possibly the not worst game of all time candidate as we've been going through. Hi, Dave. Hi. Goodwin's goal. He deserved it, didn't he? He was like everything he did was just beautiful. And this this goal just textbook counterattack. Yeah, another one where we gave it up. I think Yagarkovic gave it up in midfield and you know, one ball to Goodwin and he's he's away, you know, and cuts in from the left and, and slots it. Um quite similar to I guess the fourth goal, except he's gone himself. Um but again another transition moment where we've coughed up ball cheaply and hadn't scrambled well. No, I mean, it was understandable that we would be pushing to, you know, get a bit of, um, earn a bit of our stripes back. But Jesus, that was, it was a tough one to take when you know that it's Goodwin on the end of it. He's still got 
he still got running in his legs and he just made it look easy. Wow. It's, it's also depressing. There's still 20 minutes to go and it's 5-1. You're like, like at that point, you're like, Jesus, this could quite easily blow out to seven or eight if we're, if we're not. Don't watch it. Yep. Um, there was one uh, upbeat moment after this. Uh, Jan Sass gets another clean strike. Um He's managed to find the woodwork. This is the this was felt so symbolic of this game for us. It's just we couldn't buy that extra inch or two just to get it in that net. Yep. If if this had gone in, we look at that cost opportunity, we score three goals and you go, Wow, what a cracking game of football. Um instead we're getting a five one scoreline against us, which we just did not deserve. So yeah, again, another guy who seems to be a little bit low on confidence, and when he's high on confidence, he can be quite an explosive player. And Sus could have done with that just going the other side of the post. Is it confidence? Because he just seems to be quite up and down, and just like he can have a good game out of nowhere. It doesn't feel like that's confidence. Was it? Wasn't he? Wasn't he stretching? Wasn't it quite a tough chance from memory? He's kind of yeah. stretching for the cross, like it oh, wasn't. Yeah, a, yeah, for sure, wasn't a yeah. clear cut chance. But he, he kind of, it was just something that. He's that natural ability where he can just pull a screamer out. Yeah, it's a, it was a good it was a good run. He's got into into the right space for the ball, and yeah, he's just again an uh, an inch the other way, and he scores, and you know helps his confidence no end. So, yeah, you know what this game reminds me of it's a bit like that Melbourne City game we had at home where we lost three one, where we felt like we we're in it for quite a period of time, but somehow just got pumped. Well, not pumped three one, but you know yeah. it didn't feel like. A five-one game for some reason, even though we didn't, it didn't feel like we should have drawn it or won it, but it just didn't feel. No, I don't know. It, as Cam said, if it was five-three, you would have gone, yeah, okay, yeah. If we could got a draw out of that at three-all or something like that, you're going, wow, it's it's cracking. But um, I I still don't know how we lost five-one. I, I just I just don't get it. Um, we will play and have played much worse than that this season than one. Um, look at the Sydney game up in Auckland, which was just defensively very sound, but we had nothing else going forward. We still managed to win that one nil. Um, so yeah, just this this feels like a th- as a performance, it should have been a win, uh, <laughs> but obviously it, it it's not turned out that way. Well, let's um let's take the the cam approach and look for the positives here. Um, the midfield, Ugarkovic and Rufa. I thought that. This was one of their better games, with the exception of that Ugarkovic turnover at the at the end for the fifth, but you know, tired legs and all. I thought that was great. I thought Crive and Sass both tried to step up and play a little more um without Zawada there. Yeah, I think absolutely I think Crive was was I thought probably our best player. Uh got way more involved and, and I wonder if that yeah, you say symptomatic of Zawada not being there, um, and us looking for different avenues to go forward. I think, yeah, I think this the, those last two games are kind of summed up. I think where our strengths are. Our strengths are when the players all in front of us, when, when we can kind of we've got our structure, we know how to defend, we've got our patterns. When the game's transitional, where it's stretched, where it's end to end, we we don't have the same control of the game that we like to have. Um, and teams that, that let us have the ball and are good at counter, I think we really struggle against. Um, I think that's what Melbourne City did against us as well, didn't they? I think they let us have lots of ball and then they, they pinged us on the counter. Um, whereas teams who 
perhaps prefer to play with a bit more of the ball. We look pretty solid against and, and we'll create our chances. Um, and, 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 that, and that's, I think that's, it's a, this is a blueprint for how to beat us, right? Yeah, it does feel very much like that. It's kind of the, that we looked toothless without Zawada or certainly that inability to be clinical without Zawada. I, I suspect we're going to see him kicked out of the game future, you know, in future games. Just if they can isolate him, then, you know, we'll struggle. Um, and another positive I thought was Clayton Lewis getting back again early from um, injury. Um, he didn't look too bad considering. Dave? Oh, we're going to throw me in on this one, all right. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it looked all right. Um, yeah, I, I I probably have more to say about what Dale was talking about, so I'm just going to talk about that. Yep. Ignore <laughs> your question entirely. Um, no, I think, I think, I think, like, this this game showed, for me, actually, probably our best chance creation of the season. Uh, we were just seriously lacking in someone to finish them. I mean, we had 19 shots, almost all of which were inside the box in good areas, and we just weren't finishing them. And I think if... Zawada will have been watching this at home surely and thinking where the hell have these balls been every game I've been playing because you give me this this service and I bang them in every week but I think that was probably a combination of um, the midfield having a good game you know you talked about Cryev you talked about Yugarkovic having good games I think that's true and Lewis equally having a good game when he did come on but I think it was probably a symptom as well of some of those other guys stepping up and being more comfortable um, in certain areas, and so looking for different chances to what we have been looking for when we've had Zavada there, where we've been trying to, you know, play longer balls, play it to his head, that kind of stuff. We're actually, I think, realistically, some of these balls we are playing into feet in the box and taking those shots from, you know, inside the six um, would suit him just as well. Um, so we've shown, I, I hope, a different element there to Ufi that he might take on board. Um, not to not to throw away the long balls because you know he's been scoring some fantastic headers and he is a threat in the air there. But I think it it shows that a mixed approach could also work. You know we do have the ability to break teams down through there. All we lacked realistically was someone putting them in. Whereas down the other end, Adelaide were just you know everything they touched in terms of a shot went in the goal because um, they didn't actually have that many and they just scored all of them. And that's how this ends up 5-1. We had we had more shots, more of them were on target. Like all all of the stats in this were well in our favor. The XG was ridiculous when you compare it to the actual, actual score line. But sometimes it's just like that. You know, everything they touched turned to gold and everything we touched turned to shit. But we didn't have a striker and we were away in Adelaide where we always lose. So the odds were stacked against us anyway. Yeah, I, th- I think if you, if you at the start of the season, you if you're a fan, and I'm sure the club doesn't, or you mark this down as a loss guaranteed, and you, you, you know you're not getting anything. If you get it for anything from it, it's yep. an absolute bonus, but you're not expecting anything whatsoever. I think just in terms of how close this this the table is, the frustrating bit is the goal difference that comes about yep. from us. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, even with you know, two weeks ago when we said, look at this, the games ahead, this and the Adla- and Melbourne City away are too hardest, and we might not get anything. But the other four are very, very winnable. Yeah, and I think you're right. You wanna you wanna staunch the bleeding in terms of that goal difference in these ones. Like you say, you probably don't. You're not banking on the points from them. But if you can walk away with a two-one here instead of a five-one, you're pretty happy with that. And the way the game went, that would feel much more reflective of how the game actually was than um than this five-one does because. 
5-1 feels like we got absolutely hammered off the park and that just wasn't true except for their finishing and and even then the first couple they get a bit lucky right um I, I want to move us on to the uh, women's game because this oh god this felt very similar um I, I'm looking at the stats right now um up against Perth a team that realistically on and if we show everything that we've got we could we could beat and get the full three points the stats from this game as well read very similar to the um, men's game 59 percent possession 24 shots to eight three big chances to one uh 77 percent accuracy passing eight corners to three 24 shots to eight third uh seven shots on target to three oh everything in our favor except that one important one the score one nil this feels slightly more palatable given the experience of the team and the uh actual score line but was this a, as much of a wasted opportunity as the stats suggest i i don't think the chances are as clear-cut as the stats indicate if I think of what one of the best chances there was Satchel's long-distance shot that went through the keeper's legs, not really a, a, a great chance, you know, more of a keeper fumble. And I think maybe Hassett had a, a header from a free kick where she, she got too much on it, and then there was like a goal-mouth scramble at the end. And Pritchard had a header that she should have scored as well. And there's uh, a low shot that was palmed around the post. Like, they weren't like, you know, they're okay chances, but, you know, they're not, you know, you wouldn't look at them and go, Man, she should have scored that. You know, like that. It was they're not they're not clear cut chances. There's, um, there, there's still five chances there. I agree with you. There's still five chances there that uh, you would hope to get at least one goal from. Um, yes, we've had 19 shots, but you know a lot of it is Kate Taylor having a blast from outside the box and it going sailing over the top of the crossbar. There was there you know that that kind of opportunity. Um, but yeah, I think. Look, looking at the the header from Ava late, uh, wrong side of the post, other side of the post scores, and that goal of mouth scramble late. Those, those are the kind of chances that we've taken this season. Um, Ava scored a very similar goal against Canberra, um, so you know the, the the history is there for us to score those. And I wouldn't say wasted opportunity, but there's definitely points there that we could have taken. The unchanged lineup. Um, do we think that this is a move by uh, Nat uh, to, as this is her lineup that's been doing well, or is this her number one lineup? I mean, I don't think at the start of the season we would we would have suggested that would be our our best eleven, but maybe that's just a bit of you know evolving over time. I mean, I I, I wouldn't put Satchelor ahead of Clegg, for instance. Um, mm. I think it was probably Satchel's better games but in terms of you know output still pretty low down on on chances or opportunities itself um that actually was what i was coming to is that when you've got um someone who's producing those individual opportunities like millie clegg can we afford to not give her quite as many minutes as uh as other players uh, i i realize it's a team composition and that that starting 11 had done well um it just feels like a bit of a lost opportunity 
Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, you know, she's Karen and Nigel or, or something like that that we that not mm, we, we don't know about. She she delivered far more in the minutes she's played, uh, and and gives us well, quite not the same attacking sort of you know opportunities or you know types of attacking opportunities. She she gives us something completely different that no other team and uh, player in our team has. Um, that's an interesting way of phrasing it because uh, I, I want to get into the actual um, events of the game uh, basically one of the first notable moments was unfortunately the goal for um, Perth their uh, import striker Hinson I think it was a left foot shot to the far post it was a good finish as well quite, quite well worked goal yeah good finish but something you'd expect from uh, an import striker of her calibre She's been around yeah. the circuit in, in the States for a while and has played yeah. some reasonable level football. Um, is that kind of the difference between uh, the Knicks and mid-tier, just having that clinical component? Is that the only thing that this women's team is missing? I'd say the only thing, but I think it certainly helps. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think you know we we've struggled to score in the low scoring games, which I think has hurt us. Um, I'm not saying we necessarily should have won this game, but we, you know, we were in this game enough that you could have come away with a point, and that probably would have been a fair result. But those are the games we've really struggled to score in um, across the season. I think if you compare it to last year, I'd say we've to some extent managed to staunch the bleeding in terms of leaking cheap goals obviously we saw a few earlier in the season where we did leak quite a few but I think we're seeing that kind of clawed back but what we're not seeing is the goal output down the other end if you look at if you look at the the table um, we're not that far behind in terms of goals scored but the moments we've scored those goals um, you know obviously that Canberra result kind of blows that out a bit but some of these other games you know the the 1-0 losses or whatever are where we could have just done with one goal and, and those points would make a big difference when you look at the table We've lost yeah. six times. Six times we've lost 1-0 this season. And that, again, indicates, yep, we're proving we are holding our own in a lot of games and have done quite well since Christmas. But, yeah, we're, we're just missing missing that vital final cog in, in the box, basically. And you look at all of those games, right? And, and I would say pretty much all of them, you could find either a goal that was ruled out, you know, there's a couple of offside calls that we think might have been dubious, et cetera, that could have gone the other way. But also there are, there are you know, good chances hiding in there, you know, one-on-ones that we we just chip the shot into the into the keeper's hands or, you know, just stuff like that where it's like, if we were being more clinical, if we had that finisher, a poacher, someone who was actually banging them in, we'd be mid-table pretty much. Um, but that's just not the case. We have a lot of atto- attacking talent there, but no one's really stepped up and said, I'm going to score a handful this year. Uh, we just haven't seen that from anyone in that attacking attacking third. And, that, that you know, there's there's young players, there's inexperience, but there are there is some experience there and some players who should, at this level, be able to score five a season. Um, and they're not scoring five a season. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. I mean, that's kind of what Rollo and Paige Satchel were brought here to do, right? Just to provide a bit of that professionalism and that consistent, just get a few, and and kind of lead the rest of the team forward. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, neither have been prolific previously. Like Rollo's barely played, and the little she's played is is not, you know, any higher than the 
alien, I wouldn't have thought. Um, and, and maybe that's the kind of difference, you know, like, you know, even a non-top tier um, US player is playing at a higher level than, you know, some of these players in our team. So, um, and I think that's probably the difference. You know, maybe it's different if we had Grace Jale this year or, you know, we managed to entice, you know, Hannah Wilkinson or, you know, someone like that who has played more consistently at a higher level than the the, uh, the A-League. Um, and the woman, I've forgotten her name now, unfortunately, the, who did her ACL before the season started. Flea, but yeah, Flea, she's a, yes. yeah, she's a centre midfield, isn't she? So she yeah. normally is. Well, I, she's I, also I, the I, sort of person that can contribute a, f- yeah, a couple of Yeah, you'd expect goals. her to chip in with a couple across the season, I would have sure, thought. Sure, she's another yeah. Betsy Hassett type character, right? And and, and would yeah. play and, and chip in, like Betsy's got, I think, three this season, and oh, two or three anyway, and, you know, so... Um, no, I see. See, for me, I'm. If we have, if we have uh, an experienced nine, um, someone who has, like you say, your Hannah Wilkinson and that, someone like Ava Pritchard is going to learn a hell of a lot off them by playing that season uh, or two with a with a strike like like that, and that can only pay dividends for her as a player and us as a team in future seasons if we manage to attract someone like that. And I think that, that's just the key we're missing here, that that final cog. And we're obviously being creative. Paige Satchel had her best game on the weekend. That was the best I've seen her play. She absolutely smoked her uh, marker every single time. She was had her on toast the whole time. Uh, delivery wasn't fantastic, but delivery hasn't been fantastic all of the season. But... If we have that quality import nine up front to finish off some of those chances that are coming through, I think we're we're in this game. We win this game and other games this season. And that yeah, and I say that that the impact that can have on the squad as a whole and just their learning and their development as players can be quite high. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this on the pod before, but that potential that maybe the club does need to consider having some imports for the value that brings, you know, the learning opportunity. Obviously it does take away from Kiwi spots, but perhaps the value in having some of that experience and probably some results out of it um, might be might be worth giving up a Kiwi spot for. You know, the the remaining Kiwis learn a bit more by having that person to to learn off and play with. And the experience of maybe winning a few games if that is say a striker who does bang in five to ten for a season. Uh, maybe that confidence boost actually helps some of those young younger players develop as well. It's hard to say, right? Here's here's one thing: if uh, if that Auckland team does eventuate, and they have the have a women's team come along with it, um, does that therefore take away the responsibility of this Phoenix t- uh, club to be the guardians of New Zealand football and develop them as they feel they have to at this point in time? Because there will be another option, and in that case, why not? bring in a import players it takes away changes your your uh, i guess the the direction of that team yeah even if it's not taking away the responsibility i think we'd all agree the talent pool probably isn't deep enough um to sustain uh two full squads at this level it, it might get there in the future but it's not there at the moment so if that was to come in say immediately i think you would absolutely have to look to imports um you might you might still pick up a few young Kiwis. Um, obviously, there, there's a few just below the wings that uh, if the rumor mill's correct, I hear there might actually be some more signings for the Phoenix um, for the remainder of the season um, out of the out of the players they have had in the training squad. But, you know, I think 
you just spread that that shallow pool a little wider and you'd have to get some imports in to keep the quality at a level suitable to play the league. So um, I think they'd still feel a responsibility to some extent and it's foolish not to from both a uh, a financial element in terms of these players that are cheaper to sign and if they go on to become pros elsewhere, you might get some transfer fee, et cetera, out of them. You know, financially it makes sense, but I think they're still going to feel... Uh, a connection to New Zealand players, even if some of the full responsibility is taken off some of their shoulders. Um, we've kind of gone off topic a little bit as we do tend to go with the way next to be quite honest. Um, uh, one thing I, I did kind of want to bring up, it's like most of those women's players hail from the further North. Um, so if that, that other Auckland team should come in, you would expect a lot of them being um, not, full professionals as far as money goes compared to the men's side there would be a stronger draw to be nearer family etc um i would have thought uh just a thought to ponder and while you're yelling about imports i've already been pondering it mate don't worry it's a, it's a good thing helena's not uh, can't make today she'll be going on about how great auckland is and blah 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 <laughs> Someone's got to talk it up at some point, mate, because none of us are going to. We've all been there. We know what it's like. <laughs> I'm assuming Helena's out there training right now for that squad. <laughs> but it would it'd also be interesting to see how many of those players were drawn to Auckland because of the opportunities offered up there in women's football. Because uh, definitely there has been a push, you know, the um, the uh, FFDP and all that kind of stuff has drawn some of these players to Auckland from, yes. you know, the regions, including Wellington. Um just because that was where the development opportunity was and it's where the pathway was and it's where New Zealand football told them to go. Well, uh, that's not to say there's not still a heavy skew towards Auckland anyway, but there are players who end up there at quite young ages and end up considering themselves Aucklanders because that's where the opportunity is and, and that might shift over time too. Who knows? I would also argue the um, the opportunity is there more for Aucklanders as well, as you say, with the FFDP up there it makes it damn damn easier for an Auckland um, potential um, player to, to get that uh, to get that extra coaching and everything. Um, God forbid I go on on my rant um, as I want to do. We, I think um, Dale, you mentioned the the Hassett shot uh, at the keeper. Um, not long after that, there was um, a bit of a penalty shout for Rollo. Who wants to talk me through this? Because I've blanked on it completely very ambitious call for a penalty she kind of gets a small small touch as he's taken a shot and misses it and falls over i don't think there's anything in it whatsoever is this not the sort of thing that though that we are telling them you feel that touch you go down we certainly say that to the the men's team or we say (laughs) that to the tv playing the men's team. Oh, we've seen that to the women's team on here as well. I think the Sydney game up at uh, North Harbour Stadium, QB Stadium, where um, Satchel stays on her feet and takes a shot when she could have either gone down or squared the ball and we get a penalty or a goal. So, yeah, I totally agree, mate. I actually think the better shout is possibly the one on Alyssa Wynnum not long after, uh, where the strike has gone in uh, and Wynnum's come out injured. She's injured her ankle or knee or something like that and, and the contact that's come about and I think there's much more of a shout there for uh, um, for a penalty than the one that uh, Rollo went up for and I, I don't think either of them were by the way but um, 
it, you do mention Wynnum there. It's good to see her getting some minutes again, um, getting back in the swing of it. How do we think that she's tracking? Because, you know, previously she's been a, a, almost a nailed-on starter last year, um, fallen out of favour earlier on um, for her ab- over her absence and just working her way back. Is this just a question of her getting miles under the belt or is this kind of like, you know, she needs to she needs to prove her worth? I just think our best midfield at this point in time is the three that are starting. And I think that's proving by the performances that we're putting out on the field. And so it's not a question of whether she deserves to start or not. It's a question of the three that are in there deserve their places. And until they don't deserve their opportunity, deserve their places, she's on the bench. It's pretty standard footballing parlance, really. That's uh, your opinion, Dale? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think. You know, I think we're seen as maybe has it sort of moved slightly forward into Wynnum's role. We seem to have much more control of games. Um, you know, not, not saying domination or anything, but we seem to be able to work it through the thirds a lot easier than we than we were um, previously. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't see why. I mean, Wynnum had a pretty good season last year, had a couple of good assists, but she hasn't really shown that so far this season. And maybe that's because we, we've had a different number nine. Um, and maybe some of that's to do the same. But One of the uh, areas where this team has actually been quite potent is from set-piece um, with uh, Foster Foster's delivery. Um, there was an opportunity for Vandermeer uh, not, uh, not long after the half, uh, getting a head onto it, but a, a decent save. Is this kind of... I don't want to say our, our only uh, course of action, but is this something we need to make make more of these these set piece opportunities? The the way that Adelaide are, for example, with with Goodwin, where they really target that set piece. Well, I think there's an argument to say we're already doing that, isn't it? Just because we didn't score for one in the weekend doesn't mean it's not. Hundred percent is our best outlet for the women's team by by a very long margin. We are taking advantage. This is the exception rather than the rule, isn't it? Well, yeah. it, it just seems to me with the, the corners, we're not we're not looking to we're just looking to play it by the book by the numbers rather than try and turn it try and weaponize it. I I disagree, mate. I think we are weaponizing it. When Kayla Foster hit the crossbar in this robber corner, you know, and half a foot lower, and she scores. Um, there's this is by far and away our best scoring opportunities have come from the, the foot of Michaela Foster putting the ball in the box. And I just. I'm not arguing that, Cam. What I'm I saying. We are weaponizing it. We are playing for it. I think it's a tactic. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure what more you could want from this unless we're scoring from every single one. I mean, I, I guess I hear what Frosty's saying because I don't, I don't think we are playing for it. I think it is where we are productive and, and when we have the opportunities, we're using them. But I don't think we're looking when we get down to the byline to try and win a corner rather than work a shot. I don't think we're looking around the, the top of the box to win a foul instead of work a shot, which if we really wanted to lean into this as our best opportunity, you could be doing, you know, you could be looking for those, those fouls and, and taking the easy foul around the top of the box. Or when you get to the byline, rather than cutting back for a shot, looking to play it off a defender for a corner. And most teams and most levels would probably let you have that corner. Right. Um, and and I, I don't know if the answer is we should be doing that. I'm not, I'm not advocating that, but we could be looking for it more if we wanted to, but instead we are, 
generally trying to work a shot and try and score a goal from open play rather than look to always win a always win a set piece and, and try and score from that. But I, I think the reason we potentially shouldn't do that is it's not like we're scoring from every set piece. You know, it is our best outlet, but it's hardly a high percentage outlet. Um, it's it's better percentage than our open play, but we're still talking pretty low conversion rates there realistically. Yeah, um, uh, traditionally yeah. it's been lower lower percentage than open play for most teams. Uh, what kind of I was alluding to, you know, trying to get more opportunities in that regard, but we don't look to be doing anything but standard plays when it comes to uh, our movement in for corners. Like we're not trying to set like Foster looks to be hitting it pretty much in the same spot. The runners are all the same. We're not looking to mix it up. Um, so it feels like we're not, maybe not, we don't have that many options when it comes to the set-piece corners. The, the goals haven't been clean though, right? They've all been, no. by putting no. it into approximately the top of the six, maybe between the six and the penalty spot, and then having it fall. I think they've had one clean goal from there. Uh, I, no, we haven't. We've had, everything has been a second uh, second ball or rebound. Yeah. Um, someone's screwed a clearance or whatever so they're not being clean i don't think i don't think they are clean in women's football perhaps like they they know that's that uh that sport better than we do and if this is the way that works in the in women's football then who are we to argue with what they're trying to do they're, they're scoring goals from it i think they're doing the right thing yeah, and I think realistically, like what what you're talking about there is having you know one runner front post, a couple at the back, and mixing that delivery from the corner, right? Like, but I don't I don't think realistically we've got enough people who the defenders are going to buy as a headed goal option. Um, there aren't that many strong headers of the ball in the entire league, let alone in our side. Um, and we see that in terms of how many headed goals you you actually see scored in this league. You know, there are a few. And they're an absolute weapon. But I don't think we have those players. And I certainly don't think we've got more than one of them that you can use to kind of split the defense and have them second guessing. I think I think the reason this works is because she has pretty consistent delivery and, and it's good delivery. Um, and she puts it in that in that good area and we see what happens. And because it's a set piece, we can throw some extra bodies forward that aren't necessarily there otherwise. And it's worked. Um, yeah, but... Extra That's points like, for not saying put it in the mixer. I I almost said corridor of uncertainty for you, but I I wound it back a step. Did you, get, did, you, did you get close to dropping out the FedEx? Because that'd have been quite good too. Well, we all know they're not the best delivery service. We <laughs> talked about this last week, Cam. Yeah. Um, there there was a bit of a goal mouth scramble um right at the very end. Uh, as we've said, I think this is just it's a low percentage of these things kind of coming across anyway is there is there anything that that like the men's team is there anything that we could you know if you could tweak one thing about this this women's team what would it be a nine an import nine because i think the the benefits of the them scoring will and the development opportunities that just from a learning opportunity that would provide for the younger members of our squad would be massive. So I would have an import nine. That would be the um, money is no object. You asked for one thing that we could change and that's 
that I think is that would make the biggest difference because we're creating opportunities as we're seeing. We're getting the ball in the box now. We've developed a good understanding with the players all around the field. And they're playing good football and, and creating the chances that we just can't seem to put away. That's that's the key. We need we need that that import player up the top who has done it in the NWSL and done it in Europe and is a good, good finisher. That's what we need. Like I, like I say, even the ones that have come, they're not top-end players by any stretch. You know, they're like very fringe, if at all, you know, US national team players. Um, so, you know, we're not talking, I don't think we're talking, you know, huge sums of money. I mean, um, but I think, you know, the experience that they bring and would be, yeah, would would be well worth it. Yeah, and I think if we're, if we're not willing to go that route, I think I would I would be happy to see a bit more just kind of general X factor up that up that front third in terms of not being afraid to mess with the formation a little there, try more strikers, try try more switching sides, give people like um, Clegg more minutes, you know, because they, they are offering something a little different there. And I think we're, we're kind of, I think you can look at the back and say we've sorted the defense to some extent. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but I think things are looking a bit more stable, a bit more secure there. So don't mess with that. Don't mess with your defensive mids. But up the top end in a, in a one nil game like this, that last 20 minutes could easily have been thrown a bit more of an X factor with some different players coming on and mixing it up. And I think we've we've seemed hesitant to do that. I think Ufi's the same. Ufi's very hesitant to do anything with the formation, right? But I think in a game like this where you're down one nil and it doesn't, it just doesn't look like it's coming. Throwing something different in the mix that they're not expecting isn't the worst idea, particularly with young and experienced players who are just going to give it their all. If you say go out there and do this job um, and just see what happens, you know, no pressure, but we'll see what see what comes of it. Could be a good thing. So yeah, the the hail mary, nothing to lose. Yeah, I, I'm exactly. I'm a bit that. I feel a bit that way as well. We, we're kind of sticking to what has served us okay. But if you're already down 1-0, right? Yeah. Give it a whirl. Um, uh, thank you, Dave. That was actually what I was uh, thinking myself. Uh, so um, on to this week. Uh, the men are taking a bit of a break. Uh, international window. Um, there is two games. The All Whites playing the uh, People's Republic of China. I believe that's the correct title for them. It is, yeah. Um, on the radio, they keep calling it China PR, and it makes it sound like it's a it's a trust. Um, Sounds the, like public relations, though. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you put it that way, Cam. I wouldn't, because someone might be listening. Um, we we'll get on to the uh, women's game this week. Is up against Newcastle, uh, five pm Saturday. Uh, Newcastle are only two points ahead. Uh, first time they've played against each other. Uh, this is, again, another game the Wahenix have got to be targeting, right? Just yeah. winnable. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very, very winnable. Um, yeah, I think I said last week, Newcastle have got one win in eight games, last six or seven games, something like nine, that. Nine, one and nine now. Yeah. So... so is this is this the time to um, be a little more adventurous, or do we stick to that? What's served us reasonably? Newcastle have the worst defence in the league by a significant margin. 
the uh, the only reason that they're ahead of us is because they've scored the goals at the right times to get the points, uh, and they got them early in the season. We have to score goals in this game, at least three. Um, yeah, we just have to. We, we've shown that we can do it in the past against a better opposition in Brisbane and a better opposition in Canberra. Right? There, there should be no reason why, with the personnel we have and the way they're playing at this point in time, that they can't get a few in this game. This is this is heavy, heavy talk, Cam. I love it. Well, to be fair, their their goals against is worse than anyone else in the league by eighteen. Yeah, it's like just so... they they are they have by such a margin, and that's us. Like we we've been conceding goals. We lost two games four one earlier in the season as well. We've conceded three in at least one other game. So you know we, there's every reason why we we should be scoring goals in this well, game. Well, and if we're comparing to us, their their goal difference is actually twenty three. Sorry, their goals scored against is actually twenty three worse than ours, which our entire goals against is twenty four. So, <laughs> it's, wow, it's, they they are really conceding goals. So, and that just um, highlights our issue about the scoring thing, right? That this that's that's basically where it's been letting us down for the season, losing six games one nil because we can't get it in the other end. We 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 need to score in this. We need to score lots. I mean, they're, they're certainly there for the taking. Whether or not we can, I don't know. That I think I think that's going to come down to finishing for me. I think there's every chance um, Newcastle can can nip one against us. Um, they have scored more goals than us across the season. They've scored 19. We've only got 13. So they are scoring goals, but they're also shipping them at the other end. So we need to bring our shooting boots because I think chances are we, we concede at least one, if not more. And we just need to outscore them at the other end, uh, which we have been struggling to do so let's hope their keeper has a shocker or yeah a few people pick the right shooting boots mm. um one thing against us is that this is going to be in in newcastle uh the number two sports ground wonderfully named uh but it's going to be 3 p.m over there so if it's warm it's going to be pretty toasty one thing i'm not getting on is the end of this conversation i'm getting off you're getting off on this conversation. Jesus, man, it feels come on. Wrong. It's just, just totally inappropriate language to be using in a podcast, my friend. It's because you kept me up too late, Cameron. Yes, it's my fault. That's right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, it could be your son's, but... Yeah, it is his. Yeah, actually, no, it is. Uh, unless anyone's got anything further to add, uh, should we call it a good night? Uh, don't forget to uh, watch the women's team take on... Newcastle, 5pm Saturday. The men are taking on People's Republic of China in Thursday, I believe. Oh, yeah, I should look this up, shouldn't I? Th- Thursday night and Auckland Sunday night here. And just Sunday uh, afternoon here. Yeah, Sunday. And there's an under-23s here as a curtain raiser. Um, and also all of the... Um, all of the um, all-white squad are going to, starting tomorrow, uh, Thursday, New Zealand time, are going to be auctioning off a signed club shirt, raising funds for the Cyclone Gabriel uh, Relief Fund. So if you are that way inclined, jump on to Trade Me and you can find yourself a, a Chris Wood signed Nottingham Forest shirt or a Michael Boxall signed Minnesota shirt. Um, and there's there's a lot of cool shirts in there. They've posted some photos, and I did see um, people talking about on Twitter whether or not they're match worn. Some of them are. Some of the some of those are their match worn shirts. Others are not. But that's that's pretty cool either way. And I assume once those auctions are live, those sorts of details will be made 
made pretty clear, but there's definitely some some cool looking shirts in there and obviously a good cause. I do know at least I think one New Zealand football uh, staffer who's a friend of the uh, podcast who will be uh, bidding on that uh, Chris Wood shirt quite heavily, I believe. It won't fit her. Don't think she'll care. <laughs> Um, I was just gonna. I was just gonna add the. Um, should, it's probably worth watching the, uh, the two under twenty three games because Alec Paulson will probably play at least one of them, and that might be a good indication of how he has developed since the last time we saw him play for the Phoenix and what implications that might have for next year. There's actually quite a few Phoenix players going to be on display for the um, for the under twenty threes and the All Whites in the next uh, week on the next few days. So well and truly worthwhile from the next perspective, getting your eyes around those games. Uh, we'll leave it there um, and bid you a good night. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, crew, for joining in, and we'll talk again later.